0: Warning, the following podcast may contain material that is inappropriate for listeners that are under the age of 18, are easily offended, or get annoyed listening to the rantings of holier-than-thou-know-it-alls that are anything but.
1: everyone, this is the Anime World Order podcast, fresh back from Anime Weekend Atlanta, the uh, anime show that is on the cutting edge of popular anime from 25 to 30 years ago. I am Gerald Rathgolb, and with me as always are my good friends and co-hosts. Hey folks, this is Daryl Surratt, finally done with
0: conventions for the year and Otaku USA for the moment, so let's get a podcast out.
2: Hey everybody, and I'm Clarissa, also done with otaku usa stuff although i had to finish that up before
1: the con be sure to check out the website at www.animeworldorder.com and email us at animeworldorder at gmail.com this episode we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, anime weekend atlanta as well as a subject that is quite close to one of the uh, emails i'm going to read i'm going to talk about a show that is ostensibly a sports anime yawa mushi But first, let's take a dent into some of these emails here. This is an email from Alex T. And he begins, Hi guys, finally stopped procrastinating enough to shoot you guys an email. Since Daryl insists on knowing when any of your reviews ever have an influence on a listener seeking out a show, I finally decided to write you in. Like most American anime fans out there, I usually stayed away from sports anime and manga. And I only watched quote-unquote regular anime until Clarissa reviewed one-outs, which piqued my interest quite a bit. It's still one of my favorite series after the manga finally got fully fan-subbed. I guess it's not really fansubbing manga. Scanlated, it's like, I suppose, scanlated, is the yeah. hip term. Yeah. yeah. But that's okay. One Outs being the perfect mix between sports and gambling got me to seek out other gambling anime, which led me to Kaiji and Akagi. But I didn't find more of them, so I started looking onto the other sports side, which led me to Eyeshield 21, Hajime no Ippo, all of them, Slam Dunk, Overdrive, Yawara, Kuroko, Ace of Diamond, Baby Steps, High Q, and Ping Pong. Pretty much in that respective order that I can recollect. Now, sports anime is my favorite genre and is one of the few things that I keep up with on a weekly basis for the last couple of years. Any glaring omissions from that list that I should watch or that you could recommend would be appreciated. Again, thanks for introducing me to this genre, even though this email is a couple of years overdue. I think that review was in 2010. I think you guys, of all people, can probably understand that. I think we can.
2: (laughs) I think it's only appropriate
1: Yeah, you <laughs> procrastinated
2: for that long in sending us an email. It's fitting.
0: Right. We cannot blame someone for finding these things years after the fact, but that is, in fact, the advantage of podcasting as a medium, not a liability, that anything you say, uh, people are just finding it out for the first time, and then they ask you questions, and it's like, I don't remember what I said all those years ago. But among that list of sports anime, he said, did he neglect any of the essentials? And I think... One of the things about sports anime is that the essentials of sports anime are largely things that are pretty old because that was sort of the heyday of the sports anime. And unfortunately, the availability of a lot of these things is generally in question. Sounds like as a sports anime fan, you kind of have to a lot of times track down fan subs anyway. I'm a huge fan of like that 70s era sports anime stuff. Tomorrow's Joe. Aim for that's the a great Ace. show mm-hmm. Tom-
1: tomorrow's joe you can watch the movies of that this is, um, this is generally
0: true of yeah. all the sports anime like i would say to watch the compilation film of tomorrow's joe and then the second compilation film over the tv show the fans of availability which is sporadic and then aim for the a similarly there's a movie for it but it's more of a sequel it's not really a compilation movie if memory serves They did fan sub, I think, all of Aim for the Ace.
1: I can't remember. Yes, finally, it took them years and years to do it, but that I think got fully fan subbed. Right, and And that's a pretty great show.
0: Absolutely, should watch the compilation movies of because the TV show is like (laughs) a billion episodes long. No, it's like over a hundred some episodes, but and it's also it's not like the movie omits anything
1: the, uh, omits the big like points <laughs> right <laughs> so. that's, that's the
0: only time that compilation movies can work when there's significant vast chunks that you can take out without really losing anything as far as the story and so only a few things really lend themselves well to compilation movies and sports anime tends to be it i actually think even though they're not compilation movies the captain subasa movies are pretty good just because my main problem with Captain Tsubasa is it takes forever for the matches t- if you watch the TV show, yeah. whereas if you watch a movie or a special, as the case may be, the entire match and everything is over in like 45, 50 minutes.
1: I would actually include Hikaru no Go in that list. A lot of people do. It's, it follows the same tropes and the same sort of progression as a sports show does, right. and it's a terrific show. I love that show to death.
0: Yeah, and then Chihayafuru is sort of the similar sort of, if we're going to extend it out to be kind of game, Mm -hmm. sport.
2: Yeah.
0: Karuta is the thing they're playing in that. And also sort of follows that same sort of progression of like learning it and getting good at it and what have you. So those are sort of the major sports ones that we can at least see. I mean, I still would love to see Attack Number 1. That was like the shoujo volleyball Sports anime, but I don't Mm -hmm. think there's any significant fan sub efforts for that
2: at all. No, I have like I have a a, one that I bought the manga of in Japanese when I was uh, over there. um, Mm. It's it's by the same guy who made Doka Ben, but it's a baseball series about a female pitcher joining like the regular league, and I really want to see that one. But there's like nobody has even attempted to translate. (laughs)
0: Which is weird, because Princess Nine had a very similar concept, and that had its following for a time. Yeah, it did. Right.
2: I would kind of recommend Taisho Baseball Girls, which you can get here.
0: Yeah, Uh, you can't give it away because you reviewed that one, so you have to say, like, hey, read my review of it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just actually purchased that based on a lot of recommendations and also the fact that there are very few sports series out there with any significant female cast anymore right the ones that used to be in the past
2: yeah i mean there's a few manga not a lot but very few of them actually get adapted to animation
1: in fact like
0: the most popular sports anime or one of the most popular of all time is probably star of the giants and we have nothing for that more or less yeah i mean there was a star of the giants meets astro boy kind of crossovers (laughs) back in the
1: day that is one where there's just a giant gap for almost anybody outside of japan for that show i don't right. even know how how much that even got outside of japan let alone america
2: yeah and i mean if you want to extend it to manga and similarly with the well it's not technically a sport but it's the same kind of thing if you can find the out of print copies of swan put out
0: yeah swan is kind of like it's about ballet, that,
2: yeah it's but, ballet
0: and really it's more dragon ball z by way of ballet <laughs> swan is freaking terrific i love it
1: yeah. Uh, uh, what that gets is,
0: me is that Kyoku Ariyoshi, all she would draw is ballet manga. That's not right. even her only one. No, actually the only the one no. we just got some of, and it's, not even scans or anything. Yeah, it's it, a shame. It
2: will never be finished over here because they shut down their manga stuff before they finished it.
1: Yeah, license. That is one to... where you basically have to scan eBay and go to anime conventions and just build up your swan collection bit by bit. And even then when you do that, you're out.
0: still not going to have the end of it because there were about six right. or so volumes at the end that just never came out in English. Yeah. And no yes. Japanese. Was. I bought
2: those as it was coming out. Sometimes I've had good luck for stuff like those that are out of print but not super old. I've sometimes had good luck at certain convention vendors because they'll do mm-hmm. like $5 manga or like, buy eight for the price of five or whatever some kind of strange deal and sometimes they'll have those things like swan or emma or whatever but
1: right yeah anyway i think uh
0: sports anime is kind of again the least popular sort of genre of anime in english every single anime publisher will say well look at anything except sports anime (laughs) <laughs> at this
1: point. Well, that's that's because virtually every single one of them have tried it. They've even, and again, like even when they market it correctly to the right audience, like sports fans, it still doesn't hit off. Right, yeah. because sports... the
0: anime fans don't want to watch something about sports and the sports fans don't want to watch a goddamn cartoon. Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: I feel like they'd have to start with like kids. You'd yes. have to get something like Inazuma 11 or something that's like kid focused, like maybe major for baseball, which starts out when the guy's a kid. And get it to that audience that's watching like, in the block with like, Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh and whatever else. And maybe then, you could manage it. But, yeah. I think trying to get teenagers or adults over here who are not into anime or manga already, we just don't have that kind of culture of comics ingrained here in the U.S. And same thing with animation. Like, People still here primarily tend to think of animation as like just a kids kind of thing or adult mm-hmm. stoner comedy. Yeah.
1: yeah. Or so, family musical. Yeah. Well, no, since I know several sports people, hardcore sports people, and these are not people who listen to this podcast, by the way. These are like co-workers and such. From what I can tell, the hardcore sports people do not actually watch anything sports related that is not either the sport itself or a documentary about the sport itself. Right, any sort
0: of fictionalization, it's out the window.
1: Yeah, they don't watch movies about the sport. Really? They don't read, no, not even, like, sports movies typically don't do well. Yeah,
0: it's not like the baseball fans all went out to watch Moneyball.
1: No. That made a lot of money,
0: but it was not really. It was
1: not baseball fans, it was movie people that went to see that. Yeah, it's weird. Sports fans are a strange lot. Not you guys who are listening to us, you guys are cool. Mm. But they're a strange lot, some of them.
0: Yeah, yeah. They, so they will however pour their lives into fantasy football.
1: That yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> I was actually looking at job postings today for a company that does like a fantasy football thing.
1: There's a ton of them now and I don't even know how that fantasy football thing works. It's it's yeah. like a mystery to me. I don't know it's either. just I'm gambling. Like,
2: I'm like should I even apply for this job because I know nothing about football? <laughs>
1: Can I add like Superman and the Flash and a Raptor to my base to my <laughs> football it's team? It's
0: gambling based on what's actually happening right. in the actual sport that you're already watching. So it's whatever,
1: <laughs> whatever. It's yeah. I, we, sports we do not, are no good. Sports anime is where it's at. We yeah. do not know anything about sports really, except Daryl because he watches wrestling. That's not a sport. <laughs> <laughs> That's soap opera. That's not soap opera either. <laughs> Anyway, Alex, I hope that that gave you a couple of places to start from there. We see how you feel about Yawapeta after I talk about it. Mm. And I don't know if I'm going to push you in one direction or the other. Um, I actually, Watch was, IQ I actually was
2: thinking about making a couple of suggestions, but I forgot all of the things he put on
1: his list. So yeah, like, oh, I, I, can, I, mean, I can always read it back if you want it. Well, so.
0: just assume that everything we've already reviewed is something that he knows about, so you don't need to recommend like Big wind up or anything
2: okay. like that. Mm-hmm. All right. Then if he didn't have Kuroko on there, I'd say he that, did have so. Kuroko okay, on all right, there. Good.
1: Yeah. So it, it's a good list. Well, again, it's the person's name is Alex. I don't know if that's a guy or a girl because that could go either way. So hi Q, um, watching through
0: all of it. Alex must be a girl's name. No, I don't know.
1: <laughs> anyway, hope that that gets you started somewhere, Alex, and let us know where you go from there. So. Let's get on with some of the meat of this. That is, of course, Anime Weekend Atlanta from September 24th to September 27th. Actually, this is the first year that they have been officially a four-day convention. One of the very, very few in America, however.
2: Yeah, I mean, AX is also four days. Yeah, I think AX AX is is
1: more real four days, though. I don't know. I've never been to it. AX, yeah, that's... Otacon tried four days once and never did it again. Mm. Yeah, Um, the
0: AWA four days is really more of a technicality of formality just since a lot of people would have flown in town progressively they said well let's have a swap meet or have a couple minor panels i mean they used to do like an old school classroom kind of thing where Mm -hmm. they didn't do it this year though
1: their four-day now officially started at 9 a.m. on Thursday, but 90% of the day was basically anime showings and a couple of panels, mostly with voice actors. Yeah, really, it's, we've
0: got to set up this place, and all right, the tech rooms are set up, yeah, just start them up, run
1: stuff, you'll have the exact same attendance as during the rest of the con.
2: Right, because <laughs> like the dealer's room and the artist alley and stuff aren't open yet on Thursday. No.
1: No, although Super Happy Fun Cell is a nice thing they did a couple of years ago, and yeah. they're still doing it now. And, and w- that describe is, what that is. It's effectively a garage sale for anime fans. Right. People bring up
2: stuff that they don't want anymore. And yeah, the idea is
0: like, if you're not a dealer, if you're not like an artist vendor or whatever, but you have a bunch of crap that you've accumulated that you can afford to get rid of, you can buy a table here for a day and sell off your old used stuff to
1: other people. Yeah, I keep yeah. thinking
2: about doing it, but I'm not sure Like, if the stuff I would bring would actually sell enough that it would be worth it.
1: And it would suck, because we drive to this convention, right. and we're kind of packed on the way there and on the way back, and if we don't sell everything that we pack up and take right. with, we're going to have to take it back, Well, yeah, going mean, suck.
2: The fact that we drive is the only reason I would consider it, because if we were yeah. flying, like I wouldn't want to mess with that. Right. But, yeah. But yeah, it it takes up space, and so it's kind of a hassle, unless we wanted to do like we did that other year and like rent an SUV or something.
1: Yeah. Also of note is that this year, they had 25,107 paid attendees, which I only mentioned that- I didn't
2: realize they'd gotten that big.
0: Well, yeah, that's the thing. That's the great thing about the venue, which AWA has been held for so long, is that the brunt of it is a very large convention center that's very spacious with very yes. wide rooms. And as the con expands, they can just add more rooms or remove, as the case may be, such that it never feels oppressively crowded at AWA.
1: When you think about it, 25,000 people, that's Otakon size. Yeah. Otakon right? got this year had 29,000 or 28,000 or so. Even and a so few that years is, ago
0: when they had the cap, yes. it was at twenty-five.
1: And so that is telling you something, that this place is now up there as one of the largest anime conventions in America. And it was already in the top top
0: ten even before this, and now it's like, must be everything is similarly booming. Yeah. Yeah.
1: What do you think is the secret? Anime conventions, I don't know if they follow the same trend as the general zeitgeist of anime within America or not. But if we go by, you know, how it typically works, you're an anime fan for about two years or so. And nobody and those, believes
0: me when I say that. And it's like, well, where's your source for that? And it's like, talk to Jonathan Clements. Yeah, talk to the man <laughs> who's
1: actually researched it. And yeah, for about two years, you know, you wake up and call yourself an anime fan. And then for two years, you're an anime fan. And then at the end of the two years, you... Maybe don't stop watching anime, but you're not as into it. So that means that you'll go to a convention or two. And so when maybe we're in some sort of spike of that, something might have happened. I think maybe Attack on Titan probably did a lot to bring people back.
2: Yeah. I suspect part of it is also location because the Southeast doesn't have that many conventions. And most of the ones it does have are fairly small. AWA is like the big convention for this sort of region. Which, it's a little easier for people in this area of the country to get to than AX, certainly. And even a little easier than Otakon or some of the other ones that are large. So it may just be that a lot of people, that's the big con that they can get to.
1: I can't think of another ostensibly anime-exclusive convention that is held in the southeast, like, At that size.
2: Yeah, Uh, I mean, we used to have a bunch of conventions in Florida. Most of them have stopped running.
1: And none of them were of that size. Think about this, though.
0: Since most of them stopped running, the few that remain, it's not like they got significantly bigger as a result of that pool thinning significantly. Right, but they also
2: don't have the same... I mean, part of it is, like you said, the location for AWA is really good and can handle that size of people. And also, like a lot of the other cons, they just don't have the same kind of resources, I guess. They don't get the same kind of guests. They don't get the bands like AWA gets.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, really, and I know that's where a big draw. AWA and a lot of conventions now are kind of seeing their boost in attendances is, is in musical acts i think that seems to be mm-hmm. what decides a lot of people spiking attendance like a lot of people were saying like hey Otakon was down this year maybe it's because the musical acts they got weren't as strong as the previous years and awa they had like at least nine different musical acts there Plus multiple DJs and all that sort of stuff. And now they've got record attendance. Mm -hmm. So that there may be something to that. I'm completely out of that scene, though, so I have no idea if that's true.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I think it's also probably tricky because, like, if you think about size and logistics and all of that, it's like you can't really invest in a lot of Japanese guests and a lot of bands and stuff like that if you're very small. And so there's probably, like, an awkward period where it's, like, somehow you have to get over that hump of getting, like, okay, we need enough people that we can afford to start doing that, and then that'll start drawing more people in. it's the same thing, too, with to the dealer's room, right? Is like, AWA is big enough that they'll get a lot of good vendors, and you'll see people selling at AWA that don't necessarily come to the other Southeast cons, whereas a lot of the other ones that are small, it's the same, like, handful. Of people,
1: yeah, they actually got Good Smile Company there. Which uh, yeah. for those of you who don't know, Good Smile Company—they're most famous for producing the very cute and uh, what's it, nendoroids
2: Yeah, and Figmas and,
1: uh. and Figmas. And so they're an official like Japanese company who had a booth there selling, you know, their products direct to the, the anime fans. Right, which yeah, is- they
0: sell the pretty high-end sort of toys—not like the highest of high-end stuff, but all the things that are so, quick yeah. to sell out, like you don't pre-order it online, you're probably never going to see it kind of mm-hmm. company.
2: Yeah. Right. And yeah, I mean, they'll usually go to AX, but they usually don't come to conventions around here, so... No.
1: Yeah, it seems like the conventions in Florida have kind of plateaued in terms of how many anime fans they can actually get to travel yeah. to close to them, and so they don't... They might see a little bit of growth here and there, but... It's weird. Like, I guess Florida is maybe just too far out of the way for anybody to fly to a convention. Well, I mean, let's be
2: real. Who wants to come to Florida except for maybe Disney? (laughs) You know. Well,
1: right. That's sort of how they get all their
0: guests, though. Is they say, "Well, you get a free trip to Disney out of the deal."
1: Yeah, we are in the one of the largest like tourist areas, so it would seem like if the anime convention were to play it right, they could. Sort of advertises like, hey, come for a vacation to Disney and the anime convention.
2: Right. But you also think. you got to think about transportation too, because there's no way to fly directly between Orlando and Japan. You have to either go north and then over or mm-hmm. west and then over. So the guests cannot have a direct flight. They have to go indirectly. So it's a longer trip and it's an extra logistical hassle. I mean, yeah, probably mm-hmm. it's not a huge amount, but it's something.
0: But as far right. as AWA, Atlanta's a big enough city that you can get a flight, presumably, from Japan, since they get Japanese
1: guests yeah, more and I, more. Yeah, I
2: don't know for sure. It's but... not
1: about the size of the city. Atlanta's got a very large Japanese community, hmm. and we don't. Yeah, uh, there are no Japanese
0: bookstores and such here in yeah.
1: Florida. And just, it's all you know, Vietnamese large... here. Yeah, yeah it's, I'm it's Vietnamese and Korean.
0: i about miles south of Gerald and Clarissa, just in case that's not clear to everyone, and it's the same story here.
1: But uh, yeah, Atlanta has got the large Japanese community, and yeah, it's mostly uh, Vietnamese. You were saying, right, Clarissa? Here, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, if you go to like the areas where they have the Asian markets and stuff, we have a couple of Japanese places, not mm-hmm. very many, maybe a couple of Chinese, but it's mostly Vietnamese, uh, right. Stores and markets and things like that.
0: Yeah, you know, fortunately for me, I prefer their noodles. But I guess as far as AWA goes, how do you think it was this year?
1: This year is the point where we're seeing kind of what AWA wants to turn into now. AWA has been changing, and I don't think that that's just me. It seems like most people I know have been going for a while, say, you know, this con isn't the same as they remember it to be. In previous years, you would probably see, you know, maybe a couple of bands, and then you would see a couple more actual Japanese guests, you know, involved in anime. And this year, we only got one who was a voice actor, and we got, you know, nine bands. The, some uh, of whom were from Japan themselves. Well, they, did, some of them they did have
2: that manga artist.
1: They did have a manga artist, which was very interesting. That was kind of a bright spark in the uh, guest roster. Mengo Yokoyari, who is very unusual. She is a female hentai manga artist. And the only work of hers that's been in English was, I believe, a manga on Crunchyroll's site called Scum's Wish. Which her, is not hentai. No, that's not hentai. Uh, She has had some work turned into anime, which was hentai. So this was kind of an unusual guest to get. That was kind of interesting. It would have been nice to have seen a couple more people on the production side of anime.
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think sometimes it's probably just... I mean, even at Otacon, there weren't as many of those guests. And I know at least one of the big ones had to cancel. So there may just be some logistical stuff. I don't know how much of it is like an intentional... Sort of change in approach versus a combination of maybe some logistical issues and a certain amount of inevitable change, right? Because it's not the same exact people every time, right? So, I mean, a certain amount of change is inevitable, I think.
1: I understand. I'm realistic about it. I know that Japanese production guests, partially because of how they advertise them, tend to not get a very large uh, audience. At the conventions? Right. It's usually because all they do is they have a panel name that's just their Japanese name, and anime fans don't seem to put two and two together and say, oh, this guy directed Attack on Titan or something. Right. Uh, but if they just yeah, say they would, the Attack if, on if Titan panel... If they
0: just panel, the schedule, Tetsuo Araki Q&A, and it's like, who is this? And if they... Yeah. Rather, if they said, Death Note and Attack on Titan creator, you know, something like that, or director. Something like, then the panel rooms are packed. Yeah, the only people who li- listen to that and follow that advice are some crazy folks out in joysy who listen to this.
1: Yeah, I understand that. But I also know that other conventions like Otakon are aware of this as well. And so what they do is they pad their guest list with people like American voice actors. And these people get enough people coming there and they can say, well, this guy or girl will pay for themselves as well as a Japanese guest or two on top of that.
0: Now, how much of that do you think is born out of the fact that, use Otakon as your example, they're not for profit, whereas AWA is for profit and has been for over a decade and change.
1: I know the the last Japanese production guest they got was not over a decade ago, so I don't know. I think what we saw this year is not kind of a blip in terms of the type of guest they want to get. I think what we saw this year is kind of where the con wants to go. They can't get a guest who is going to only pull in a couple of people. They need to get a guest who's going to be kind of a big deal. Which is reasonable. And I guess yeah. that's the case if you're going to be a for-profit convention, If you're a not-for-profit, you can afford to maybe take a guest who's not that big a deal and then pay for it with a Vic Mignogna or something who's going to bring in, you know, a ton of people.
0: I will say, if this is the future of the convention, this was a year with no Vic. And so,
1: perhaps the future is looking up yeah but they did have mysteriously the cosplay dog a cosplay dog who it wasn't as far the as I can tell
0: cosplay dog as far as, the one as one the I NMAS can tell
1: well. the only reason this cosplay dog was there was that it belonged to one of the actresses who was the American voice actresses who was coming there and got higher billing than the Japanese voice actor did. <laughs> probably so, got more of a turnout as well.
2: Yeah. To so to see the dog. Well, I suspect that most people in America tend to watch dubs rather than subtitled stuff. So.
1: But do they watch dogs dubbed? Cosplay dogs? I don't know. <laughs> I
2: think that was just, you know, <laughs> she was going to bring the dog anyway. And so <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know. It's 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 interesting. It's also interesting because one of the biggest things I go to the convention for is AWA is kind of the convention that you go to when you want sort of an interesting mix of panels. That's, I would say, almost my number one or number two thing that I'm there for AWA for. And this year was also a little bit different. thing. I don't know what was going on with panels, but there were people who were approved for panels, and then later heard back that their panel hadn't been approved. There were other times when I believe some friends of ours were doing a Type Moon panel, and their panel was scheduled right opposite the only other Type Moon panel. And they resolve
0: that by canceling the other people's type moon panel.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So this was a year of sort of a strange deal with the panels. Typically what I can do with AWA is see a kind of interesting or unusual panel on the list, go to it, and I'll oftentimes be pleasantly surprised. This year I'd went to some good panels, but they were kind of held by the same people who typically do good panels. Well, that's to be
0: expected. That's usually how you know, oh, it's going to be good. I think my issue with the panels this year is that in the previous years we've been saying like, Oh, when I go to AWA people for whatever reason, look up to us and say, think we know what we're talking about. And I usually say, I go to AWA so I can learn something myself. And I don't really think that happened this year might just be because of a difference in who was there and who was presenting. And mostly though, I think it was a issue with logistics. I think it's kind of fascinating that for four years running in a row that, for example, Walter Amos, you know, good pal of the show, Uh, he, he does this great panel about the um, anime and science, right? It always fills up, like, way beyond capacity. And before, like, you can even get into it, before the panel even starts, like, there's too many people. And so, for years, I was like, well, what are you going to do? There's only so many rooms, right? And everything is filling up. Not this year, though, because they wisely took a lot of the old video rooms and converted them into extra panel rooms. And I never knew this until Saturday in the middle of the day when I was trying to find a room for a panel. And it's like, oh, it's in the old theater video room. That's now a panel room. It's a giant room. And I'm like, why couldn't they have figured out, hey, we need to move some of these other things in the small panel rooms into bigger rooms and put them in here. Because I can tell you, witnessing firsthand that a lot of the things that were in that bigger room did not even come close to filling up. There was a Robotech panel Saturday in the middle of the day and at a convention with 25,000 people, the interest in Robotech and anime convention did not fill like 25% or if even 20% of that room. That is something that you would put in the small room on Sunday morning or something like that to talk about that. But that's the hard part of being a, a panel programmer, right? Trying to predict this stuff, and you know, sometimes you you hit it big, and sometimes you don't. And it's just in the case of that one, it was just one of those things where they've got years of data for this exact same panel to say, you know what, we should probably put this in a bigger room, and they never have, and I keep missing it because the room keeps filling up. Mm-hmm. That's just one example. Maybe there's turnover in the departments each year that uh, you know they have to keep rediscovering this fact i don't know
1: yeah i'm curious what was going on this year like i went to a panel which it would have been a great panel if the title of it were different i went to a panel that the description and the name of the panel was along the lines of what's wrong with you sunrise Yeah, what the heck
0: is wrong with you sunrise question mark exclamation point if you look at that title it tells you kind of in your head everything you need to know about what this panel has got to be in your in your mind you're like okay sunrise throughout the years has made a bunch of crazy shows a lot of bad moments a lot of which is polarizing to say the least among the fan base this is going to be the panel about that
1: unfortunately what the panel should have been titled was sunrise the awesome and ridiculous because that's basically what the panel was about because i sat in there and then suddenly like Kara Gunso, sergeant frog came up and i'm like wait and a like, second, wait a second. Is, there's nothing wrong with sunrise for sergeant frog and then gal came up and i was like wait a second gal gai uh, by the way they showed like the very end of gal gai <laughs> and i'm like wait a second there are bad moments in gal gai they're in the, the first ending half isn't one of them the ending isn't one when of them when i walked in they were
0: showing brave police J decker as an example of what the heck is wrong with you sunrise i'm like nothing jay decker is kind of (laughs) this triumph of art it's a a children's show about selling toy robots where
1: there's a whole bunch of different types of robots there's like a ninja robot an exercise robot and a soccer robot it's enormously fun
0: right and so and so to to see this is the thing being highlighted in a what's wrong with you sunrise when in my head i was sort of expecting more the cross on jake's kind of side of sunrise it was interesting so
1: yeah that's the power of expectation versus reality. If it had been named, you know, the Awesomely Ridiculous, I'd have been like, yeah, this is perfect. This is exactly what it's like. But then they would uh,
0: also do things like show, like, a questionable moment in Gundam 00 or something like that, like in the movie, which, by the way, I'm going to be knee-deep in. If you have not heard the news, I'll leave that for the end of the show. But... The people running it actually listen to this show, I think. They definitely follow us on Twitter because yes,
1: they listen we to the show. like, what
0: the hell is going on in this panel continually? And they're reading these tweets
1: as they're doing the panel. Walked up to me afterwards. We're talking about my tweets. So needless to say, I felt kind of exposed there. But You, you should know, that's feel what...
0: exposed. That's just like, all right, I'm willing to say this to the people who are running the panel, what yes. I'm
1: tweeting about. Yep, don't well, say it that's... if
2: you're not willing to say it to their face
1: that's why i'm saying it right now and i'm saying you guys did a good panel it was just the badly wrong name. named it was the wrong name for the panel so that's
0: i went to and every anime convention tends to have a panel like this it's the weird japanese commercials panel ah yes and this one. is generally an easy sort of thing to do because hey all you have to do is it's a clip show you
1: show weird japanese commercials and it's pretty funny it's literally one of the easiest panels you could possibly do. Yeah. I'm just gonna throw this out there. This is one of the easiest panels you could ever right. ever, no ever, ever do. There's no shortage
0: of weird Japanese commercials. And especially now with YouTube, there's never been easier to find their entire channels and accounts that just post Japanese commercials. And I don't object if you just pull clips off of YouTube and show them. Hell, that's kind of a lot of what I do. I mean, Except there's so much on that YouTube I rip myself. There's so much on YouTube that it's a good bet. That just because it's on YouTube doesn't mean that people have seen it because it's just such a big site.
1: But come on, guys. These guys pissed me off a lot. I'm sorry, guys, if you're listening to this. I know you're not because I don't think anyone there cared. But these guys just pulled compilations and didn't even edit them. Didn't even watch them, I don't think. Right. It's one thing to say you're going to pull clips off of YouTube, but at least curate the
0: footage that you're pulling. That's where you come in as a panelist. That's the part that you're doing, right? Yes. Yes. Just showing up and effectively doing the equivalent of, well, let me click play on this YouTube video. That's a compilation for 10 minutes. Okay. Related videos next. Let me click that one. And then what ended up happening to them was they'd run multiple compilations other people made and there was overlap, a decent amount of overlap from one compilation to another. And they wouldn't skip past it or anything. They just, you'd end up watching the same commercial four or five times in one hour. Because people would say, all right, well, I thought that one was funny. And then someone else who put the compilation together said, I thought that same one was funny. I figure if the very least you could just watch through
1: it and have unique commercials throughout. Yes. Sorry, guys, that you guys, uh, guys did a shitty job because this is the easiest fucking panel you could possibly do. And you screwed it up. Come on.
0: Well, they didn't screw it up in the sense that the videos played and they had sound. So uh
1: if they if they didn't get that part then I wouldn't blame them necessarily because that can easily be you know the convention the convention had no part in how bad their panel was
0: I suppose so but even a bad japanese commercials panel is still fine cuz you're watching japanese
1: commercials I'm not giving them an inch here Daryl. you're giving them an inch here and they, they didn't even do an inch. I'm giving the concept <laughs> of the panel a f- mile We've seen lots of Japanese commercial panels that are great, that just fill the time from beginning to end with good Japanese commercials that you don't see five times. Right. Um, I
0: think if if it was the exact same panel that far as what they were saying and all that stuff, and they just edited out the duplicates, then nobody would have noticed.
1: Yeah. I think it would have been fine then. But yeah, I mean, the, the good panels we went to were largely run by the crew that you can rely on for doing good panels. It was interesting in that respect. Was there
0: anything then that you went to that you didn't know the people running it that you liked. Hmm. Because the average person listening to this is obviously not going to know the people running these panels. We just happen to have been running anime con panels for a while at this con.
1: I don't recall going to panels that were not done by people I already knew that my expectation matched or was exceeded by, by that, I suppose.
0: I'll name one that I went to that was by a panelist I'd never heard of, and uh, it was a topic I was interested in, I knew about, and I liked it a lot. There was a guy doing a short anime panel at AWA, and it was called like Three Minute Anime or something was the name that he used.
1: I think that those were the same guys that did the Sunrise panel, I thought.
0: No, well, it was just one single person running this panel, so I don't know if that's the case. In any case, I don't know the people running the Sunrise panel either by name, but... That panel for the short anime was perfect. I had no complaints or objections to it. The guy picked all sorts of stuff. All of it was great. Uh, A lot of it was recent. A lot of it was older stuff. A lot of it was like things that I was looking for. Like, oh, well, since I've run short anime panel myself, what are things that I would make sure to hit? And this guy was hitting pretty much all the points. So props to that guy. Uh, I don't know his name. And unfortunately, the AWA schedule wouldn't always say what the name of the person running it was and so Mm -hmm. you just have to go on the title which really most people just go on the title anyway but yeah the full title was three minute anime ain't nobody got time for that and yeah i just don't know the name of the person it's just not listed as who's running it but uh no i i did like that one especially because he got to keep alive the spirit of inferno cop and miss critical moment and all the other great short anime that people have recommended over the years including myself So that is definitely at least one. It's just because I run those panels, it wasn't anything I didn't already know. But Mm. I wasn't watching it being like, I can do a better job than this crap or
1: anything like that. I did hear from a vendor or two that they were kind of disappointed, at least, you know, from the vendor side of it all. Really? Uh, Because I
0: felt like they were like, here's what I overheard from a lot of the vendors. And I don't know if this is increased or whatever. I just continually heard for multiple vendors on Sunday that there was a lot of shoplifting going on, but I have no idea about, like... Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, I Mm. I know there's... Shoplifting is something that happens at every anime con. You got a lot of teenagers, you know, all that sort of thing. Well, there's Um, so
2: many people, too, that it's hard to monitor everyone at the table.
0: And so that's what I wasn't sure about, like, relative to what, when they say there's a lot of shoplifting. Of course, you know, vendors are typically people who hit all the major shows. So maybe if they're the ones saying it, I, I can only... Say, like, I heard about four different vendors in four completely different areas of the con dealer's room say that.
2: I think having heard some of the the folks that Gerald heard from and then having heard the opposite from other people, I think that there's a distinction Mm -hmm. on whether or not they did well based on whether they were a vendor that had unique stuff versus whether they were the vendors that just had the exact same stuff that everyone else had. Apparently, I heard that folks like Sekai Project did well, Good Smile seemed to sell a lot of stuff. So I think if you were selling your own things, or you had something that not a lot of other people have, like Hendane always does a lot of business because not a lot of other people at the convention sell Dojin, right? right? Versus I know at least one of the people that, told Gerald and I that they weren't doing well was one of those vendors that just only has the same price figures and plushies and whatnot that everybody else has.
0: How do you think that was affected by the fact that this year they actually combined artist alley and dealer's room into one giant room? I don't know
1: how that would affect it, although I know that... Because Artist Alley is another
0: place where people seem to do well or not based on how different their stuff is.
1: Yes. I think that, first of all, Artist Alley and Dealers Room are selling completely different sort of things. However, they are competing for the same thing, which is your money. Right. And so when it's in the same physical location, I'm sure that there were some dealers who were saying, hey, wait a second, I paid like $400 for this booth. Why am I in the same room with these guys who paid, you know, 150 bucks for their booth? Mm-hmm. I don't know if they said that. No one told me that. Would I just would assume if I were a vendor there, I would be thinking, well, why isn't there an artist alley, like, separated out? Right. That is there, like, there's been for years and years.
2: Yeah. I'm curious to see, I, well, I don't know if we'll find out, but I'd be curious to see if it had any boost effect on the artist alley, that they you didn't have to go to a whole separate area to Mm -hmm. see the artist alley stuff i mean it was still in a separate section of the room but i wonder if that improved things because maybe people that wouldn't necessarily make the detour into artist alley were able to see some of those uh booths
1: yeah i'm very curious as to what the effect was if it boosted things for the artists and hurt things for the dealers or vice versa or or what yeah, all I can say
0: is because we drove to this convention and there were a lot of vendors that aren't usually here locally, I probably spent more at this AWA than I did at every other con this year put together.
2: Oh yeah. I spent way too yeah. much, but part of that is that I didn't buy very much at Otacon. So I think I was sort of like making up for it.
0: Yeah, like I really typically don't buy much of anything unless there's happens to be a deal or if it's something that's going to be hard to find. Like in the case of Good Smile Friday, more or less by the time I decided, yeah, maybe I want that, and I was an idiot to even think about, do I want this or not, you know, the Nendoroid <laughs> Mako was gone. Yeah. But that was not the first thing that sold out. The first thing that sold out was actually the thing that I walked up immediately bought, <laughs> which was uh the Watamote Nendoroid, <laughs> the Tomoko. And,
1: and the one that was uber popular, super popular, Umaru. Yeah, Umaru-chan
0: from... wasn't being sold, so I think no. that's why they went for their second best pick which (laughs) atomico but yeah you have to like do pistols at dawn and like sign up for their mailing list and then tweet out how much you love good smile and to get the privilege of you know taking a picture of umaru chan's one figure that they had there Mm -hmm. on display
1: how so much i miss just writing up an entry and being put on a mailing list how i miss that so much and now i just have to be a corporate shill in order to get entered for anything anymore (laughs) (sighs) uh
0: It is fascinating that the Watamote figure sells out immediately and then nobody wants to buy the actual show which
1: is a horrible bomb. I don't know if the show has done well in America though because I know in Japan it was it was a massive bomb unfortunately. Yeah, but
2: maybe it's just I one think, of those shows that people watch it but they don't necessarily want to own it and rewatch it.
1: Which is funny because my copy of Watamote on Blu-ray just arrived today. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah,
2: also
0: like I noticed because the other thing that I was looking at come Sunday was what things sold out at Good Smile because they would say this is sold out, you can't get it anymore. Right. And so the Mako sold out, Nendoroid, Tomoko sold out, the Satsuki from Kill a Kill sold out, and Ryuko did not sell out. So like, what gives? Like, you got this Kill a uh. Kill streak, and they even put gimmicks on these things. It's like if you you have to buy Satsuki and get like half of the Scissor Blade and buy Ryuko for the other half, and nobody still buys Ryuko. Aww. Weird. That's so
1: strange. But, um.
0: To be fair, yeah. I also did not buy Ryuko. Cause I was like, oh, well, let me think on that. There's something to that.
1: One thing I want to mention about the panels this year as well was the subject matter mix this year was a little bit uh, less focused than it's been in previous years. Or it's more focused just in another direction, maybe. Basically, no anime convention out there has 100% anime-only focused panels. Even Otakon is like that. Yeah. Every Everyone is like that. Uh, they'll
0: have allotments for like, well, as long as this much is not anime, we're fine. As long as we're yeah. within that anime-Japanese culture sphere, we're good to go. And I think that's where AWA was going as well uh, yeah in previous
1: years they were more focused on you know let's make it about anime let's try to pull it back to anime and in this year they were saying well let's make it about video they had like a zelda panel a nintendo panel a sonic panel um, there was a general nintendo panel then there was
0: a zelda specific panel then there was a mario specific panel then the smash Brothers specific panel then Mega Man as well, and then I yeah you mentioned Sonic, and I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure which must have
1: been an interesting group of attendees. Yeah, there.
0: I really really wanted to to just peek my head into the Mega Man and the Sonic panels to see the real internet. I
2: was counting on your <laughs> report from that. Darryl. I don't.
0: I think the reason was I think I couldn't get in. Oh, <laughs> I think those were also ones where they had them in those Galleria the Convention Center panel rooms, which are are smaller. Mm. And so those would fill up immediately.
1: But and I mean, so it's saying something that... I think it's I believe, fine, though, I believe that there was a One Piece panel that got rejected in favor of that, or it was like a, the One Piece podcast or something like that. They got their panel back. It just but ended they, up being it, Sunday morning right. or something like that. It was initially rejected. Um, yeah. It was so initially accepted,
0: then yeah. rejected, then I mean, they complained and the, they got it back again.
2: The thing with panels is it's always so hard to tell, like, okay, how much of the array of panels that are there... Is because of the specific selection and how much of it is because of like, this is what people applied for.
1: Right, right. You know, and I know that in smaller conventions, if you apply and your panel is not literally like top 10 ways to kill Jewish people, like <laughs> your panel, it. they you will accept in. it. Yes. Like Whereas that is literally. I think
0: they, AWA probably is a little more uh, able to be selective. So I think yeah. they were deciding like, okay, we're definitely wanting to have. Uh, Nintendo history panel uh, as run by Kira the Hedgehog,
2: <laughs>
0: followed by League of Legends trivia 2015, you know, like,
1: yes, if you're seeing people getting rejected for panels, then you know that they can be selective. And so what is on the panel list then is what they said. This is how we want the panel selection to go. So Um, yeah,
0: But I mean, again, video games are where the interest is and uh, music and all that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of overlap between that. And I think maybe they may have been thinking we've got all the anime fans. How do we get some of that Dragon Con audience or some of that general audience and say, well, we'll get bands and focus uh, pretty heavily on the video game track this side and then still keep it about Japan? And have Japanese video games, mostly. I mean, League of Legends is not a Japanese video game, but no, most, got mostly some Nintendo s- stuff and Sega stuff.
1: Yeah. So I'm hoping that the focus doesn't shift too much more away from that. And they just keep looking at Dragon Con and say, well, we could get that many more people or not. I know when you're a for-profit convention, there's a lot of temptation there.
2: It's weird because it seems like that would be such a bad idea just because AWA and Dragon Con tend to happen so close to one another. So yeah, I like, agree with this. But how I am are you going to pillage that audience anyway? Because most likely they're not going to be able to go travel, especially the people that come from out of state for two conventions basically back to back. within about the they're same on the month.
0: local attendance, but I'm yes. not sure. I also happen to know there is increasingly more overlap in staff, like people who are AWA staff are also DragonCon mm. staff, and I think mm. that is part of what is maybe sort of been the catalyst for some of this gradual shifting that we've been seeing right as the years go on as far as programming is concerned like i know yeah it may just be example, due to different
2: staffers yeah
0: yeah there could be some of that like i know years ago they added cosplay burlesque which was sort of like a dragon con thing it was sort mm-hmm. of a sci-fi fantasy con thing and they said well let's bring that in the anime con now this year they added the 18 plus cosplay in addition to that which was also like a, a, dragon, a dragon con, con thing, thing. Yeah. That's now at AWA as well. So I think that is a factor as well. And it's just one of those things where, well, they're the ones volunteering and doing the work. And they're like, well, I like this. Yeah. And so they kind of change the con well, let's hope that
1: they don't add a anime filk section or something. <laughs> well, I mean,
0: I know the guy who like that's sort of like the VAT, the video art track, the world unto itself, the convention of its own uh, mm-hmm. that exists in its pocket dimension room at AWA since uh, the dawn of time. Nobody goes in, nobody goes out, they do their own thing. The people who run that, I ha- they happen to be big into filk. But uh, I have no idea if they've actually altered the VAT to suit, I doubt it. But if it's going to happen, they're going to be the people leading the charge.
1: I don't know that AMVs were still as big a thing anymore, but I guess it's enough that they get their own room. Anyway.
0: AWA was always like the big AMV con, right? That used Mm -hmm. to be like, you know, you win the AWA AMV contest. You're like the cream of the crop, right? The grandmaster of AMVdom. That community is now so separate from everything else like i have no visibility whatsoever on anything that happens in that the,
1: the amv thing is very interesting to me and i mean that's an ass- it's an aside but it's it's interesting if you go back like seven eight ten years amvs were a major part of anime fandom and now it's seemingly like a very sort of insular group a lot of people who watch amvs seem to also make them
2: mm. i think it's become more like the vids in other like western fandoms in that not everybody goes to it, but it has its particular crowd.
1: I mean, there are conventions that have dropped the AMV contest. Yeah. Local conventions, actually, they just haven't been they getting just enough do people showings, going. To right? It. They might not even do showings. It's because it's it's just not in the zeitgeist anymore. I, like, I know like, the Oticon
0: AMV contest is still gigantic.
1: It's still gigantic, but doesn't that run like right next to the cosplay?
0: Yeah, it probably does. It's in the gigantic room.
1: I'm not saying that people aren't there for the AMVs. But it must help that you put it up next to the cosplay, which is still a major part of anime conventions. I don't know. It it definitely does feel different. It's been a long time since, very long time since anyone has said to me, like, man, I saw this AMV. You really got to check this out. When was the last time that happened?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where I think those people just they fall in different social circles now entirely. That's just an interesting Aside, I suppose.
2: So I feel like am I the only person that actually had a good time?
0: <laughs> I had a good time. Okay. I wasn't sure if I was going to have a good time this year. I was sort of on the border, just because okay. of, you know everything has like been going on. Okay. Like you guys have been on. real down on it. On it I, I'm then. just I'm following Gerald's lead and just responding to what he's saying. But no, like I, I pretty much like everything that I don't typically go to conventions for that I wasn't sure if I was going to see this time. Like no, I was still good as far as that goes. In fact, and maybe in a little more so. Like I got to see. More people at a w a than I've seen at other cons by and large, like mm. I have to actually spend time and talk to people. I got to go out to dinner a few times and get lunch or whatever. Just a yeah. bunch of people who we've been seeing throughout the year, some of them and just haven't had time to actually touch base. And this was the con that we were able to do that. So I'm like, yeah, this is this is working
1: for me still. I
2: think I went to less panels just because I was kind of talking to people and, and doing other stuff instead.
1: I guess it's hard for me to review a con based upon my friends that were there. I had a good time in that respect, but it's not really reflective of how anybody else would enjoy the con. Hmm. and so that's that's kind of why i'm saying well this con was the greatest con ever i met my friends there well someone listening to this is like well i don't know your friends so how would it be if i just went there and so that's kind of how i'm i'm trying to Hmm. like the people that i see there are great and wonderful and i love seeing them but i just have to take a look at the con and remove all of that from it to kind of Say, how is this convention? How is this going?
0: So then as far as like, if you remove, I saw your friends aspect, what were the aspects of the con that you went to that you did like? Since, you know, you did say in the beginning that the good panels that you went to were at least by people you knew, but let's say they they weren't people you knew, you went to them anyway. What were those?
1: The ones I'm thinking of, like they did a AWA 1 panel, which was uh, basically them Going back through and taking a look at what was AWA like in 1995, because this was their 20th year. There was an amazing amount of video footage that existed from that very first con, which I never expected there to be there. There was a panel that would have been terrific, even if it weren't just a retrospective panel, which was on bad American dubbing, which were these sort of compilations that the AWA crew put together that was on just very poor dubbing done at the time. Those are terrific.
0: Yeah, those were things that were traded uh, by tape trader fans back in the day were these um 30 minutes or so comedic compilations of questionable moments in localization that were sort of formative for my teenage years i can kind of quote you know this 90 minutes of gags to this day yeah those are great because and and, uh, that was interesting because with a name like that bad american dubbing of course it fills up immediately everyone shows up to see this And everyone, they start the panel with like, so you guys know that this is about a retrospective of this thing we made almost 20 years ago and not like an example of things being made now. Right. And nobody leaves. So, I mean, they must either have been like, well, it'd be interesting from a historical perspective, even if it wasn't a thing because there were kids there who weren't there to see those things in the VHS days. Oh, yeah. It's funny enough on its own that it's still hugely entertaining. And yeah, nowadays great. it's on,
1: like, a VO or something like that. I mean, a those VO. dubs just aren't made anymore, thankfully. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's a good thing. But there are still dubs that are made that are terribly acted. Like, there are some moments from the Golgo 13 dub, which was made not long ago. Yes, even just...
0: Foster dubs don't count as, like, real <laughs> dubs, let's be fair.
1: Yeah, but...
2: The dub of Free is pretty abysmal. Bye. Is
1: it? I've I've heard bad things as well, but how does it
0: compare to Vic's cosplay of his cast? Oh uh, in god. <laughs> <laughs> just,
1: yeah, dubs like those that we that were in bad American dubbing aren't made anymore just because the filters are there to make sure that at the very least like it's the audio levels are right. right. At the so very what least some
0: other ones I guess uh that were good that you went to.
1: I wished I could have seen more of it. I'm so glad someone put it online, but Tim Eldred did a fantastic panel on Yamato he does one every year and what's amazing is that he's really only does what has happened in kind of the past year and he can still easily fill an hour with what's been going on in Yamato.
0: Yeah, he, um, did, even he if- did the past 2 years this time but it was still like again uh-huh. lots of stuff still going on with Space Battleship Yamato to this day. They did just finally admit this was something that I sort of knew off the record but now that they've announced it that funimation screwed up when they said they had the rights to yamato resurrection it's one of those like anti-precision things where they just said we want the yamato movie and they got the yamato live action movie oh. which they thought was yamato resurrection but no it's not it's just called space battleship yamato so they never had the rights to the niches attempted revival of his version of yamato they just thought they did and so that's uh, never coming out here so we never need to ask them hey when is that mm. coming out which is interesting because Dave Merrill, when he read that, Dave's the guy who <laughs> chair Emeritus of AWA, and he ran some of those panels you were mentioning before. He said, there's precedent for this happening because there were times when we said, well, we want a copy of the Yamato movie. They said, like, the last Yamato movie. They expected to get final Yamato and said they got a Rivadierchi Yamato. and This was something like 20, 30 years in the past. <laughs> and, you know, this yeah. kind of thing happens. We have to be very laser specific with that thing of what exactly you want or else you will get something else.
2: Yeah. <laughs> now, I think that the biggest failing at AWA was, was Gerald's Gerald inability to win yes. a Gaki no Tsukai.
0: Yeah. So anyway, there's a panel <laughs> run by some friends of ours about Japanese comedy television, like Game Center CX and Amitok and this other one called Gaki no Tsukai. And let, explain what Gaki no Tsukai
1: is. Um, well, Gakin you, you probably know the it, people's Gerald. names. Yeah. Well, <laughs> But also, only if you explain why I lost, which is for a good reason.
2: (laughs) Well, I'll let you you get into that. But basically, Gaki no Tsukai is... It's it's a comedy show. There's, I don't know, four or five different comedians that are part of it. And probably the thing that most people know is that for several years now, every New Year's, they do a special. It's like four hours long, right? Uh, Yeah, they're really long. One time they did one that was, I think, like 24 hours. Jeez. And (laughs) what most people know is probably these, which is the Batsu games or the punishment games. And so you've probably seen those clips of, like, they do the challenges where they're in, like, a weird situation and they're not allowed to laugh. And if they laugh, somebody will come in and hit them very hard. with a paddle or a whip or something. And this goes on and on and on.
1: It's basically exactly every stereotype of Japanese television. <laughs> yes. Just let's horrifically punish people and, and hurt people for our amusement.
2: Right. But presumably they get paid pretty well for it. <laughs> well, these <laughs> so. these are
1: people, if you turn to a random Japanese channel right now, there is an 80 to 90% chance one of these guys is on it right now. I believe one of the groups is Downtown, one of the duos. Yeah, they are all over Japanese TV. But uh, our friends held a a little panel there, yeah. They did a panel on this, but that's not quite the
0: truth of what this panel really was, because then they sprang what the real objective of the panel was, was they asked for volunteers so they could do their own live Gaki no Tsukai set of challenges that Gerald was picked for.
1: Yeah, I was picked for it, and one of my challenges was eat three pickled plums. Yes, uh, which umeboshi. weren't actually... Umeboshi, which weren't bad. I expected them to be a lot worse. And, hey, I lost. The big reason I lost was because one of the challenges was we had to judge which sock was smelled worse. the smelliest worse. sock.
2: But there and were, my like one, five and... challenges, and you only had to win, like, a majority of
1: them. Right, you had to win uh, three. So. There were three. There were three challenges, and you had to win two. So... No. And so I, so your I socks lost one. Did not I won smell one. Bad enough. No, he said they smelled pleasant, actually. <laughs> so if I'm going to lose, it's going to be for a nice smelling sock. I'm okay with that. I, anyway, that with that, do we have anything more to say about AWA? Do you guys have anything more to say? I do have something to say. I mean, it's
0: it a little bit of a weird year for me personally. This wouldn't really apply to other people listening, but I mean, this is a year where several people who I knew who I would see at AWA died. Yes, and we we wouldn't see you right people. You'd be this would be the only con you'd see them at, and other people also just
2: didn't come this year.
0: Yeah, Yeah. either people just passed away, or they weren't able to make it, or you know things happened, and so I kind of noticed what was missing, maybe a little more than some other people who may be new to the convention. Yeah, Um, I will say one of my most retweeted posts ever was just um the Steven Universe photo shoot of which there were several at this convention because let's not mince words here 2015 the most one of the most popular things to do is is Steven Universe at AnimeCon and that's gotten a huge amount of like response online of like wow look at all this stuff that's here this is so cool and you know maybe I'm just accustomed to seeing this I did panels myself and they both went very well I did a panel for Anime 30 years ago and I did another stupid video panel of doom both went off pretty much without a hitch. I didn't have any technical problems. Other people did. Anime Hell certainly had technical problems, but it wouldn't be Anime Hell if it didn't. <laughs> um, it's kind of a recurring trend every year. So I went in with some reservations knowing, hey, a lot of these people aren't going to be there. Do I want to come to this convention anymore and be reminded Of who's no longer there. And I I, I came out of it feeling pretty good, actually. So, I mean, I will almost certainly be back next year, funds permitting. And I, unless I lose my job, you know, that should happen. So even though it sounded like we were kind of burying this con for an hour straight, it's probably just because (laughs) we're noticing changes and for better or for worse, they're, they're in a state of flux and it'll be interesting to
1: see where they go from here. I mean, a lot of the conventions, a lot of the smaller conventions are kind of in a state of just kind of getting the same guests over and over again and performing to that audience that's presumably there for only about two or three years. So I appreciate that AWA recognizes that there's people who've been going to the con for a long time. But yeah, I'm interested to see where the convention is going now, where they kind of are going to sort of put all of their resources now.
0: And in order to remain competitive in the anime podcasting arms race, I am here to inform you that this episode of the Anime World Order podcast is brought to you by write Stuff Anime at R-I-G-H-T-S-T-U-F anime.com or just RightStuff.com. Now, you may be asking, what does this possibly mean for the Anime World Order podcast? Are you guys going to start recommending garbage? Nope. All I got to do is pretty much mention that the site exists, but since I do in fact buy things from rightstuff.com, I'm actually going to share with you an example of something where I would actually purchase something from Right Stuff over Amazon. Maybe some of you have heard of this obscure little known manga called Akira. Kidding. That's like a really popular manga that everyone should own, but a lot of people don't. A lot of people like to say, oh, I like the Akira manga over the movie and they don't actually read the manga. Well, let's say you actually put your money where your mouth was. These are pretty big oversized manga volumes. And if you were to go to Amazon, it would run you right now about $121.40. For me, I actually have to factor in sales tax for that. So that actually adds about another $7 on top of that. So if you go to write stuff, it's actually about a dollar or two cheaper. Plus there's no sales tax. And in both cases, shipping is free. So definitely go and purchase Akira from right stuff instead of Amazon. So yeah, there you go. I hope you don't think we've compromised the integrity of this podcast, which is none, but I'm not actually going to endorse a product or service that I don't actually use or recommend myself.
2: Oh, well, never.
1: We've talked about our affection for sports anime on AWO before. In fact, we talked about it on this very episode. And as we said, none of us are terribly into sports. And the closest thing I can think of is Daryl with watching wrestling, but you don't consider that a sport. I guess it's sports entertainment or whatever you want to call it. I wouldn't
0: call it sports entertainment, but uh, yeah, wrestling is wrestling.
1: It's It's like an action movie. It's like (laughs) a slow motion action movie. Yeah, or faster
0: motion, depending on what kind of action movie you're watching.
1: But that doesn't mean that we don't enjoy sports anime. In fact, some of the most well regarded shows in anime, and some of our favorites are sports shows. As we were mentioned before, Ashton no Joe, Hajime no Ippo, and Aim for the Eights are all sports related. However, sports anime has had a really difficult time gaining any ground in the US. Even when they market it right, even when they market it at the correct times, even when they market a fighting style, UFC fighting style show during UFC it still doesn't gain any audience. I believe that they tried to advertise Backy the Grappler during a UFC Yeah, they also sometimes.
0: sponsored a WWE pay-per-view, so they also tried to get the pro
1: wrestling people to, to check that one out. Didn't take. Didn't take either, huh? Even with doing ostensibly the right thing, sports anime just cannot gain any traction. Yeah, it's a
0: branding thing, Like especially for the UFC and the WWE. It's like the people who watch that, they're fans of that. It's like NFL yes. football, you like football, you're not going to watch Canadian
1: football. <laughs> you're not gonna watch and you're not gonna watch iShield twenty one either. So Right, your loyalty uh, is to the brand. Yeah. Yes.
2: Well, also like iShield twenty one is only sort of ostensibly about football. It's <laughs> like, more about football than
0: TQ is about tennis.
1: Okay.
2: Well, that's
1: true, but <laughs> <laughs> that's true. It's probably more about football than the show I'm talking about is what it thinks it's about, either. But we'll get to that.
2: I mean, like, the, the sport in iShield 21 doesn't actually much resemble actual football. Yes, they play a lot of it in the course of the show, but they totally make shit up.
1: Oh, totally. Well, American football is one of the most complicated games on planet well, it's Earth, it's no too.
0: cricket. Let's not lie <laughs> to ourselves.
1: Look, cricket is not even on planet Cricket is like out to Mars with how complex it is, okay? <laughs> so we're just talking, you know, within our own atmosphere. It's even more difficult to gauge, you know, some of the popularity of this because especially now we all kind of live in our own little bubbles. And so there's sometimes where our circle will be talking a whole lot about one particular show. And we think, well, this sports anime must be really popular. And in fact, no, it's not really all that popular outside of the very, very small anime circle. And so here we are. First time in a while, I should say, that we've talked about something like this, which is a long-running show that's sensibly focused on a particular sport. And this time, the show we're talking about is a biking anime called Yawamushi Pedal. Yeah, not
0: like motorcycles or, you know, the weird animigo, you know, bomber bikers of Shonan kind of bikers, but yeah. cycling.
1: Cycling. Yeah, cycling. Competitive cycling anime. The, I believe the literal translation of Yawamushi Pedal is weakling pedal or yeah. the weakest pedal, something like that. Yeah. It's about the world of semi-professional biking or high school biking as well. The show itself starts with a guy named Sakamichi Onoda, who is a nerdy otaku who has just started middle school and is trying very hard to start an anime club due to the old one dying because just no one was interested. So in general, he's been just very unsuccessful in trying to set this up. But his interest in anime in a roundabout way gets the attention of the bike club, specifically a competitive guy named Naruko. Naruko finds out that Onoda bikes to Akihabara on a weekly basis to buy anime toys which is crazy because the show is set 45 kilometers or about 30 miles away from Akihabara so is it Onoda too cheap
0: would, to take the train
1: it's exactly that he yep. says you know with if i bike there i can buy five more capsule five figures five
0: more exactly yes. five more he's a real this is a legitimate
1: realistic mental yes. rationale yes. Exactly five more. And what's even more impressive is that he's biking there for hours on relatively steep mountains with seemingly no effort of all, at all on what they call a mommy bike.
2: Right. Uh, it's just a very generic, like, regular bicycle with a basket on the front.
1: It's a commuter bike, yeah. basically. Yeah, it's this is the thing that you see most people bike around and it's definitely not made for speed or anything like that. This is pretty crazy. This guy must have something going on with him. And after the, they find out that both Naruko and a another major club member by the name of Shinsuke Imaizumi try to convince Onoda to join the biking club. However, Onoda wants to start an anime club. So Onoda, the otaku, challenges Imaizumi, the member of the bike club, I hope I'm not confusing you guys with the names here too much, to erase. What's the difference between the
0: one club and the other?
1: Well, one's an anime club, one's a biking club.
0: I, I mean, like, in terms of... Constituency.
1: Well, one doesn't exist because Onoda needs to get at least four other members for the club to exist. And the bike club actually exists as a very popular bike club there, has its All own. Right, there we thing. go. So this is him trying very hard to set up an anime club. Unfortunately, during this, Onoda doesn't win because in my Zoom, he said, I'll join the anime club if you can beat me in this race. And he doesn't. But at this point, you know, it's still sticking to a couple of the conventions of sports anime. There's something special about Onoda, because for a guy riding on a mommy bike, he did really superbly against this guy that is part of the bike club and is using a pro-level bike and everything. And it's pretty shortly after that that we follow the first-year welcome race, which is a very long race for beginners and first-timers, which basically is there to determine if they will be in the racing lineup. There'd be no manga or anime if Onoda didn't win that or at least get in the lineup for that. This is where the show kind of takes sort of an interesting turn, or an unusual turn, I should say, for sports anime. I guess we all have, you know, our definitions of sports anime. If an anime is about a sport, is it the focus of the show? But oftentimes, people consider, you know, sports anime, when it's the layout of a show, progresses in something that, you know, is typical in sports anime. Oftentimes, people have called Yakitate Japan a shounen fighting show, because it follows so many of the conventions of a lot of shounen fighting shows at the time, less so than a lot of cooking shows, even.
0: And of course, the shonen action adventure that we know now—that formula is a derivative of the old
1: sports formula. It takes a couple of forks in the road, but is largely starts out kind of the same way. Because I believe that a lot of that originated from shows like Star of the Giants. So the shows that I think about when a lot of sports anime come up are things like Hajime no Ippo. One Outs is a fantastic example of the show. Hikaru no Go is a fantastic example. And these shows were very interested in making sure that you knew quite a lot about the thing that it was about. Hajime no Ipo went to great lengths to talk about different techniques in boxing, talked a lot about the competitors in boxing, things like that. Shield 21 is kind of a unique case, but it even went as far as to have little segments teaching the audience about the rules of American football. Yaomushi Peta is a little bit different in that there are some basic points thrown at you, like gear shifting the types of shoes to wear, maybe your position on the handlebars. But after that, it just kind of throws you into the world of professional or semi-professional biking. And I was curious because I thought, you know, maybe the world of professional biking isn't as complex as I thought it was. I was curious. And so I looked it up and I was like astounded, like how unbelievably intricate and complicated the world of professional biking is. And I know way more about it than I ever thought, like this 360 degree rule and the all the different types of races that take place. That's not necessarily a problem with the show at all. However, there is one problem, I think, that hurts the show quite a bit. The biggest problem I feel that Yawamushi Peta has is with the pacing. Now, let me give you an example of kind of how a lot of sports shows tend to go. Yawamushi fits some of this. It typically starts off with, you know, a guy or a girl who have some sort of particular talent for something. They get noticed by someone in a prominent position of that sport, then the main character is challenged by someone in that group or something comes up where there needs to be a need for them to actually play this thing. So far, so good. Then it's this point where the characters go into some sort of training regime. Usually this is done in order to acclimate the audience to the sport itself. Right after the main character in Slam Dunk was able to win a match, then there was a long series of training for him to teach people what is a Slam Dunk, what is dribbling, how are points scored, what is a three-pointer, things like that. Things that you can't necessarily assume. And then you start with some sort of smaller match, something that gets people accustomed to how a particular one of these matches work. One of the first matches, competitive matches, I should say, in Hajime no Ippo. He's
0: got to take his test.
1: Yeah, he's got, like well, to be
0: a pro, well, he's got to well, he's got
1: to face like a low level kind of guy. I was right? thinking like the one of the first competitors he had was I forgot the guy's name. the The Miata, black guy. the sparring. Oh, the, Jason Ozma, Okay, yes, that was a great fight. It was what two episodes or something, and it got people just accustomed to like, okay, this is how a match sort of works. There's different rounds, and each one after that they sort of ramp it up from there.
0: As the bout or the game becomes more important, they spend more time on the subsequent fights, such that by the time somebody's, use Ippo as your example, fighting for a championship, maybe that may span several episodes, like 10 episodes, or I'm just making up a number, but something to that effect.
1: Now, you don't expect every show to follow this exact same route. In fact, one of the most popular shows out there recently, I should say, was Prince of Tennis, where the main character was just this genius at tennis right from the get-go. Yeah,
0: those they're the two different kinds of sports anime protagonists is either like the natural genius or the diamond in the rough.
1: Yes. Right? Yeah, the natural. And I mean, Prince of Tennis was like one of the most popular shows in Japan forever and ever and ever. Like Hikaru no Go kind of fits perfectly into that sports mold. He wins this match, then he's like, well, let me join the club. Then they teach him technique. And then one of his, some of his first matches are against classmates and then middle school matches, things like that. hmm
2: Yeah, but I think some of that is just the nature of what the sport that Yalapet is about, right? They probably don't have that many races, number one, over the course of the year. And number two, you're comparing, like, games where the entirety of the game or the match is only, like, a few minutes, maybe at most, like, an hour. And the kinds of races that they're doing in Yawapeta, like, they're biking sometimes for hours and hours and hours, even all day, and, like, the actual race lasts multiple days.
1: I looked this up. The type of racing that they do is is just called road racing. And the thing is, the first big competitive race that happens in Yawapeta is one that includes 120 cyclists, 20 schools, goes on for three days— and the race starts from episode 21 or 22 of the first season, goes all the way through the second season. And so it is a 40-episode-long first race in the series. This is a really, really jarring way to kind of start you off in, like, the world of competitive racing. And I was curious because I thought, you know, this is this kind of what they're going for. And then I found, oh, well, there is a whole bunch of different types of races. There's omenisms, there's circuit races, there's team trials, there's stage races— the stage race is actually what they did in this. The first big race is called the Inter High. Mm-hmm. And that is a staged race which is done over the course of c- several days. But that's, I feel, where at least my complaints about the show cut. Almost regardless of who you are, you're going to find a character in the show that you like. There's the young kid. There's the strong silent type. There's the, you know, the big loud guy. There is a guy who literally is a lizard. <laughs> basically, just contorts his body in just, like in weird ways and just. Yes, is is kind of. I, 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 he's one of the most popular people too. Gross, gross, gross. <laughs> it's in fact, he's the show is so gross. Got,
2: he's so gross. He's moe.
1: <laughs> but the show has got so many characters that it's it's hard for me to even keep up with them. You find out more about them virtually every single time you find out about them. It's through a tragic backstory. So nobody in this show bikes because they necessarily want to. They always bike because their loved one has died or uh, their best friend has died. Or someone has died.
0: I want it to be like a tragic backstory that all involve the cycles are why I lost my parents.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <sighs> There's always in all these sort of competitive sort of things when you have a tragic backstory to be like, what drives you to be the best right. at this? Well, I already made the puzzles kill my dad joke last episode. <laughs> so this time I'll be like, well... Daddy locked me in a room and forced me to eat food and identify the ingredients, you know, and <laughs> yeah. I have to be the greatest chef sort of thing. Yeah. You know, there's always that aspect.
2: I think, like, more of what goes on in Yawapeta is, and this is not uncommon for a lot of sports things that focus on school, because in both junior high and high school, it's only three years for each. So you have three years of being on a team with these people and depending on when you join, like, the people that you get to know are going to graduate sometimes before you. And so, like, you have a limited amount of time, right, to be a part of this team and to be able to, like, get your team to place in these championships. And so I think, like, that's more of, like, the quote-unquote tragic aspect of Yao Peta is this kind of idea of, like, for some members of the team, like, this is their last year, and so if they don't win the tournament, that's their last opportunity to do so. And this is their last opportunity to be part of a team with these people and ride with these people that they're close to and compete against the people that they've become rivals with. And that's not uncommon at all. I mean, you see it in a lot of other things, too. It comes up in Kuroko Basket, and
1: I was actually amazed at how well they did that in Ace of the Diamond. And that's just early on in the series. Yeah. And, you know, they choose the team. They choose who's going to be on the yeah, team. and, baseball and then baseball
0: is a thing where the matches, like, one game of baseball can take, like, a millennia. I don't know how long baseball lasts. <laughs> just, just, you it know, just, they used to cancel baseball games due to darkness <laughs> before they had, like, those giant stadium lights.
1: In the case of Ace of the Diamond, they choose the team. And then he has to put all of the third-year guys who weren't chosen in one room and say, I'm really sorry. Yeah. This was your last chance, and you still didn't make it. You shouldn't give up on this, but I'm very sorry. And all these guys are just bawling. This was their last chance to even be on the team. And one of the points in that was that this one young first year gets on the team and kicks out one of these, the last opportunity for some of these guys. Yeah. The thing with Yawamushi Pet is that having 40 episodes of one single race, of the first major race, for me, was just too much. and it was, How long is the show? The show is about 72 episodes. That's all seasons total, start to finish. That's first season and second season.
0: So basically, the first race is
1: the basically the last race, is what you're saying. The first actual race against actual competitors, not just within the club. Yes, is the first and last race
0: there's no gradual like we win and then we proceed to the next stage and then you go to the nationals and then you lose at the end under the power of friendship. It's okay. Right. Like how most sports
1: shows are. Yeah, there's no like, okay, let's have just like a one day race or a thing just between you know, some of the other groups or just to, to get people accustomed to this. Right.
2: I mean, I don't know how it works realistically in Japan for cycling clubs. I know like the inter high is kind of a common tournament that you'll see in sports anime where there are students. It's usually yeah, like a regional sounds like... kind of thing. And so, I mean, I know that Mushi Pedal the manga, is still going, right? And so yes. there's a lot of stuff after it. And so there's probably other races and other things after the interhigh.
0: But Yeah, I mean, the way you make it sound is like it's almost as if you had a baseball show set in Japan, and the first match they actually have is at
1: Koshien. <laughs> it's literally that. And Which is
0: the finals of the Japanese high school of baseball, for those who don't know.
1: That's 40 episodes of Koshien like, right away before you even know like what an out is, or things like that. Mm. I mean, they could have invented something to get people more accustomed to it. And that's where I think that the show just hurts so badly. Man, you're
2: going to hurt Kuroko no Basket, too.
1: It seems like a weird sort of way to get people into the show if they have any interest in you learning about. Yeah, usually biking.
0: there would be like, as part of that initial training part, that would be where you'd have the learning part. And then there'd be the parts where, let's say, you have to make this to make the team.
2: And that would be like. Right. You know, a portion. Well, they have and... that in the beginning of, of right. Yopeta. So I think probably what happened is that they learned the secret from Mahjong series, which is that it doesn't actually fucking matter if you know how Mahjong works. Because the entire point of it is like all you really need to know is like the context and the characters. And then you watch how people react to things and people will be like, oh, my God, that's ridiculous. Because half right, the time... That's incredible with sports anime like i was saying with Aisha 21 just like with mahjong like they just make shit up anyway it's not like they're really accurately representing the sport and so it's like i think they finally just realized like you know what it doesn't fucking matter
1: i think what they've learned was that what you need to have is you need to have guys butts on screen as as much as possible <laughs> that you need There's to have that too
0: the shows abbreviated to yopada or just yallipado <laughs> if you want to go the next step it's because that's really what keeps people watching this show for 72
1: episodes. Let's be serious here. I don't think the show has any interest in you learning about biking. I think the show has got a big interest in making sure that there's a character on there named Izumida. His big thing is he's got these long eyelashes great abs and these pectorals that he has named andy and frank and there's scenes where he's just zips open his shirt and his abs are on display and he's biking down there i think that's what the show is about how awesome would it be if the pecs were named Anne and frank
2: (laughs) oh (laughs) no it's
0: like i gotta keep you guys hidden and frank oh nope you're out it's (laughs) over now
1: (laughs) also let's be serious about the show if there was any denying who the show is for it is completely thrown out by the stingers in this show. The stingers in the show are the best part of the show. Yes. They're what everybody wants. I like to call them the tiger beat moments when the guys are not racing and they're acting and usually like them doing something goofy or funny. It's the, definitely the most memorable part of the entire show.
0: Playfully homoerotic, Gerald. Playfully.
1: (laughs) Well, about 60 to 70 percent of them are them taking showers with each other or best. Playfully, Gerald. (laughs) (laughs) But also a lot of that is, you know, understanding the context because they're usually acting out of character. Or it's like, oh my gosh, I don't want anyone to see me singing this anime song that I like. You know, scenes like that.
2: He's steadily infecting everyone else.
0: With moe anime, right? And and in order to get the context of that, you have to know like this person normally does not be doing this, right? And so it's as prolonged exposure, yes. You know, now it's like got to keep this you know secret, but then that's around yeah.
2: But then it, it, I mean, it it doesn't matter anyway because that's the best part is eventually when they're just you know flat out in the middle of the race, like all right, we got to sing this anime song song to to, to, for power
1: to keep in sync.
2: (laughs) Help me out, be a bro.
1: Gotta keep in pedaling time. <laughs> the problem that I had with the show was just the pacing. Like, if the show had ramped it up a little bit more and then made the inter-high not 40 episodes and had something in there in the beginning, I think I could give the show a higher recommendation. I mean, I know that there has been a small kind of audience of cycling people who have been watching this show. I don't know if Overdrive is any more realistic when it comes to biking or is any more detailed in how it explains the sport to you. I know Overdrive is only, like, 25 episodes. I think that the first race shouldn't be the 40-episode-long, three-day mega-marathon of everyone in Japan. Maybe something else in between would be a good thing? I don't know. Where does everybody else stand on this?
2: I mean, I can see your point, but it didn't bother me that much. I mean, yeah, I get where you're coming from, but it wasn't something that really, like, particularly made me not enjoy it. I don't know. (laughs) It's one of those things where
0: it's like, if it's 72 episodes long around episode 20 is about the time when you expand the cast out and blow everything up and have your big main story arc happen. That's kind of in keeping with the general progression for a lot of these things. I mean, if it started like at episode four or episode like one and it's like, wow, here's all these people. I have no idea. Now go. Then I think, that might be a little more apropos, but I mean, if the show is only 72 episodes, only 72, I mean, if the show is 72 episodes long and it's by episode 21, the major story happens, that's kind of in keeping with like your big Shonen action adventure kind of formula where you'd have like your preliminary first 13 or 20 episodes of showing who the main character is and the two or three supporting people, and then you blow the cast doors wide open and say like, okay, now here's everybody else. And now you're going to find out about all this other stuff in this
1: big giant conflict that's going on. That's like, to me, it seems like it's sort of standard. It does not at all. Daryl. I think the cast expands, but the event is so enormous that it starts you off with that. It's kind of like throwing you in the giant last race. They could have had something else. Like this is the first competitive race that they have in the entire show. And it's 40 episodes. There's no other time where they race against another school. How much is the actual competition of the sport like
0: integral to why people are watching this show? Like, is it more about the sport or is it more about the character interplay? Because it sounds like everyone's the watching this for bros yeah. being playfully camaraderie-like <laughs> with one another than yeah. the actual tension and suspense of like, got- having to win the match.
1: Well, I can tell you that the final winner of the Interhigh I found kind of disappointing... Because it was incredibly predictable, so probably it is more about the characters. I was just like, wait a second, he won, really? Right. And that was kind of a big downer for me. Was wait a second, I don't know if I really think that that's the right way to take the show. And so yeah, it it must be much more about the character interplay. But I guess maybe I was coming to it thinking, you know, maybe I'm going to learn a lot more about biking from this or get more interested in biking. Because that happened with boxing, that happened with Hajime no Ipo, that happened very much with Go. I even went to like Go clubs after that. But Yawapeta, it's I guess they could almost be doing anything in that show. It could be competitive rowing, for example, and you could almost just switch out the animation and keep exactly the same lines, and it almost wouldn't matter.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the competition is important, but I mean, especially for folks like me that aren't really super into sports. The main reason I care about the competition or the actual game is because of the characters, right? Cause I, I want to see like characters that I'm invested in hopefully win, you know, and I'm rooting for them. Mm-hmm. And so you, you do have that, but it tends to be because of the nature of the races and stuff, because it's these very long team races, you kind of have it in like spurts. And so like the race is really long, but it's like, You know, what you'll have is, like, the spurt of intense, like, competition to be, like, okay, because whichever team, like, manages to be the first one to cross the line for, like, this leg of the race gets a certain advantage, right, in, like, the next portion Mm -hmm. or gets a certain amount of points or whatever. And so, it's, like, even though it's, like, one race, like, you have a lot of these, like, broken down, like, sub-goals, and that's really where... Most of the, like, competition stuff comes in is in, like, meeting each of these sub-goals up through to the end of the the inner high race.
1: They have those sub-goals kind of as a thread holding everything together. I'm not sure that they are a motivating factor in, mm. for the characters at all. Well, I mean, the motivating factor for Onoda was he wanted friends. That was why he wanted to start the anime club. Right. That is why he joined the bike club and he got his friends. And right. that's that's kind of the end of it, almost, for Onoda.
2: Well, but I think he does end up, like, really liking cycling. Like, he gains mm. a new perspective on it. You know, it becomes right. not just, okay, the way I get to Akiba. But, mm-hmm. but, yeah, I mean, definitely a lot of it for him is about his friendships that he now has with these other people.
1: I don't know. I guess it's a sort of a show where, if you're going into it expecting it to be a show mostly about guys biking... It has that, but I don't feel like that's really the focus of the show. It doesn't really get you accustomed to biking in really much in any way. The races themselves are very, very long, have kind of a lot of moments of just not really anything happening race-wise. You don't really have any concept of how close anybody is to a finish line until the very end, really. You don't really have any concept of where anybody is in the race in general, except that one person is very far behind and other people are very far in front. So that kind of puts it in kind of a weird place for me. Like, I don't know exactly how to recommend the show because the pacing is in it is so damaging to me in terms of the sports pacing of the show. For
0: context, if I can jump in, I mean one of the most popular sports anime ever of all time is Slam Dunk and Captain Tsubasa. That's another one. And both of these shows are similarly guilty of the exact same thing that you're talking about here, and it should be noted that you don't like either of those particularly much either.
1: Is that correct? Slam Dunk? I hate Slam Dunk. A lot. For similar reasons, though, right? For pacing reasons especially. But Slam Dunk has got an actual, like, ramping up in it. This show blows Slam Dunk out of existence in terms of just the pacing and starting out at the very top. And Slam Dunk does have this long section of you, like, understanding the sport and figuring things out and such but yeah i mean slam dunk is is also kind of a different beast as well so for maybe for people who
0: are like accustomed to uh, that style of the sports anime maybe they would not mind that as much do you think or do you think it's just it, there is definitely something to be said of these sort of tournament-based team-based sports shows that there's not really a progression in the tournament. It's not like there's a quarterfinal, semifinal, you know, or make the playoffs and then, you know, end up at the Nationals, uh, at least in this
1: series. Perhaps if they make sequels, there's going to be a higher stakes race. My understanding is that the sequels take place, I think, in college or something, or some characters move off to college. I I don't know where it can ramp up from this, because this is already like all of the major high schools in Japan. So I don't know if it's I don't know exactly where the sequels go if they go right. internationally or something.
0: At what point do they hit the Tour de
2: France? Well, only some of the yeah. characters are graduating at the yes. end of that school year, so some of the characters, especially Anota, are still going to be around, and they'll get new members. So mm-hmm.
1: I just don't know where it's going to go because it's kind of would be weird if they just said, "Well, this, this is the next Inter High, and we're just going to have the same sort of race over three days for another you know thirty or forty episodes." It's not necessarily the sports show that i expected it to be i mean we were watching this as it came out and i was kind of amazed like oh it's still about the inter high oh this we're 20 episodes in and they're still on day one of the inter high huh i didn't quite enjoy the pacing of the show but i enjoyed the characters but it's always kind of a balance for me because the pacing was so off that it kind of hurt my enjoyment of the rest of the show
2: i can see what you're saying and there were definitely parts i think that did kind of drag sometimes hmm But in the sense of, like, what you're talking about with that, like, having a problem with that they go, like, straight into the inter-high and stuff like that, I guess that didn't really particularly give me a hard time. But I think also, like, like I said, I'm not really that into sports. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah, it can be interesting for the educational aspect to have the show kind of explain some stuff and to learn a little bit about something that I don't know about. But at the same time, like I said, it's also kind of, like, the same way I approach, like, Mahjong series, which is, like, it can be interesting to learn some of that stuff, but ultimately, like, I don't care that much about them explaining how everything works. I guess I'm kind of, like, willing to just sort of go with it and depend on, like, context and on what the characters are saying and how the characters react to things to judge what's going on. I mean, that's the only Uh, way I understand Akagi.
0: Yeah. So for for me, I think like I haven't sat through and watched this entire show and my reasoning may be a little different from what we've been talking about for the last 40 minutes. But to me, it's sort of a distillation of the Dragon Ball Z conundrum, mm. which is to say I didn't particularly dislike any of the characters or what was going on or what was being said or anything like that. I just wish it didn't take so long for the exact same events to happen. Yeah. Um, In the case of Dragon Ball Z, like there's a a lot of tolerance uh, among the fan base. Among, are you willing to watch this show? Spend like quite a bit of time on tasks that really shouldn't seem to take that much time to unfold, right? And so they expand on this by having a lot of reactions and a lot of dialogue and sort of things like that. Mm -hmm. But for some people, they say like there's not enough of a, a sense of forward momentum in a, in a way that like moves you like that you think like okay now this person is closer to winning and this person is closer to losing
1: right. so i'm going to spare you guys the rest of this review i believe we go on for about another 30 minutes basically stating the same thing back and forth so what this basically comes down to is if you have a very high tolerance for extremely slow and off-put pacing then you might like the show. The characters in it are pretty great, but the show's pacing is so bad, and it probably should have had something more than the big last final race as the first race. So this show has no interest in you learning about cycling, understanding cycling, or even becoming interested in cycling. What it's got interest in is you looking at guys' butts and guys acting cute with each other. The race ends very predictably, There's never any excitement in the race at all, and so I just can't recommend this show at all. There are much better sports series out there. I would watch uh, One Outs instead, or Hajime no Ippo, or Aim for the Ace, much more than I would recommend this show. There you go, I just spared you about 30 more minutes. Okay, so that is episode one hundred and forty one of the anime world Order podcast. Be sure to visit our website at animeworldorder dot com and email us at anime order at gmail dot com daryl, you've got something to add oh well I, I just first uh what are we reviewing next episode? I don't know. Uh, I
2: actually
0: thought you guys were going to review the basketball which Kuroko plays. Oh,
2: sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wasn't sure, you know, I know, Gerald, you were talking about iCity or whatever, so I wasn't sure what order we'd end up doing stuff in. Well,
1: I know that the iCity fans are known as being a rabid bunch. (laughs) Chomping Um,
2: at the bit, right?
1: Chomping at the bit to get to that 35-year-old one-shot movie that (laughs) appeared and completely disappeared with no fans whatsoever. Yeah. So... I am sure that they they can sit tight for for a little bit longer.
2: Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, next up I will actually talk about the basketball which Kuroko
0: plays. Yeah, the, the, we we need to either just comically continually using that name. Uh, <laughs> yes. Just just to see how long it Never takes. Never call it Kuroko's basketball. Kuroko's just... basketball. Never say Kuroko no Basque. the <laughs> basketball which Kuroko plays every The most time. awkward
1: title you can possibly <laughs> possibly throw out there.
0: <laughs> Kuroko, who aims to win Wonderful Tomorrow, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get I, to I love
1: it. how that there are shirts that have the Japanese shirts that have got the English title, and the English title takes up the entire back of the shirt. Right. Yes. It's tremendous. It's, it's, uh, so yeah. anyway,
0: um, as a follow-up to the last episode, when I said uh, to go ahead and, if, if you dare, force me to review additional things, uh, provided they were under 26 episodes, I underestimated you, because... I did not realize that any of you would be so bold and brazen as to put down for multiple ones at once to force me to watch a show that's longer than 26 episodes, uh, two shows. But that, that, that throw that out then. That, that well, I, I think. Listen, I, I think here's what I got to, to pose to the rest of you on his podcast. Who among you will take? And, and this is a perfectly legal pick. Uh, the initial D fourth stage challenge with me. How long is initial is it D streaming? fourth stage? Probably not, so let me check. I don't believe it is. I mean, I need
2: to be able to watch it, so...
1: Okay. Um, if I can get Initial it... Initial D is I on will... Hulu, and okay. also
0: Funimation's channel by way of Hulu, but let me see how much... Oh, Funimation's, then we don't have to watch it with advertisements. Okay, hmm. so they got dub and sub, and there are... Yes, it's it's, it's all on it's all on there. It could okay. be a season
1: four. Clarissa, let's... let's Marathon that show just season out four
2: out of context. That's correct. Just just, amazing. <laughs> just season four okay. out of
0: context of initial D season three. Like it's not really season. It's fourth stage because third stage was a film. But that's that's a request that someone has had for the initial D. You know, challenge. So that's that's one thing that perhaps uh, we may all venture forth uh, together. So then the next one is uh, who among us is 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 brave enough. To watch um, the Mobile Suit Gundam Double O, God damn!
2: Well, I've already done it, but yeah, it, yeah, was, yeah, but it mean, was long ago, so I probably the whole have to saga rewatch again, it.
0: And then throw in the movie at the end of it, Awakening of the Trailblazer. Okay, uh,
2: again, is it streaming?
0: No, this is Gundam. Uh, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's a true. fucking miracle that we got Iron Blooded Orphans.
2: Well, if I can get the episodes, then yes, I will. <laughs> I'm sure everything can be pirated.
1: <laughs> I will obtain this. I think we should just. Marathon the shit out of that. I then? am scandalized
2: and at your suggestion that we would pirate Gundam. Now, now remember,
1: you know. <laughs> All I said was obtain, obtain. <laughs> yeah, you
0: could, you could definitely get the out-of-print of Anime <laughs> Legends box yes. set of uh, of the Seiji Mizushima Triumph. With Gone the most line. generic character, forgettable no, character no, no, design. No, listen, listen. They're not, don't
2: be, don't be hating on Koga. Listen, do not be hating on Koga.
0: Yeah, so you know, Koga. You we'll we will get to this someday. I just don't know when because I got you know between the two of those, it's about seventy-five episodes of cartoons to watch. So it may maybe a little while before you get those through to me, but uh, I I will I, I will go through, I will endure. Uh, I'll probably do Initial D first. But maybe that may be too much sports action one after the other. I think Yellow we need Peta, to break it up a little bit. So robots and then... So we we and go then... to Kuroko's, and then we go to Initial D. You know, maybe that's the, too much of the same theme in succession. We may need to, to, to mix those up a bit.
1: Uh, I, think you got, I think you got an idea. Because, uh, yeah, that's, that's a lot of sports. And uh, virtually no one who listens to the show watches sports. So... Including mm. us
0: so, <laughs> yeah, not,
1: i don 't watch any sports at all. I have nothing to say to any of my coworkers, any of my male coworkers they so anyway uh, i will uh, I will, will take you j- up on these challenges okay
0: we're, so everybody we've all made the commitment then for all all the above initial d and in Gundam double o <laughs> perhaps we could
1: i mean, if by the way, guys, Daryl never laughs like that when it's a good thing he's asked you to do <laughs> never if if he's got that laugh at that that ha <laughs> at the end. That means he's just fucked you, and you don't know it yet. So, I'm still going to take you up on this. All
0: right, it's by your boy,
1: <laughs> Seiji Mizushima. Yes, my favorite my <laughs> favorite guy. Please, please, I'll ad- please I will read admit-
0: the new Otaku USA magazine. Probably may not be out by the time this comes out, but uh, in an upcoming exciting installment, I am, I am in the Seiji Mizushima zone, because oh. I will have reviewed Expelled from Paradise... The, the only film. thing I
2: know about that is that screenshot you posted. Okay, well, With the but? Yeah. you should watch the
0: movie then. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, expelled from Paradise, uh, the film. Uh, I also went, and since it's been over a decade, I went and I uh, did a reevaluation of the original 2003 Full Metal Alchemist, also by Seiji Mizushima. And so now I get to go straight into Gundam 00. Uh, so it's it's gonna. I be like a how my adventure. least
1: favorite director gets like all these gigantic shows. He's not the worst director. He's not the worst. I'll give him that, but he's probably my least favorite.
0: Well, you you, you so. could have made the joke about Un Go being Un but we'll do that in, the, in a future episode, I suppose. So uh, that's all I got, and uh, I'll let you sign off.
1: <laughs> that is it for AWO number one forty one. Thanks for putting up with our rambling for the last two hours or so, and uh, we will be back soon.